one of the best characteristics about it. It's a wild caught prawn, and, and it's quite affordable. Um, so I, I nickname it the People's Prawn. Very good value, and it's uh, in the stores every day of the year. This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. I'm John Sussman. The 1st of April is no joke in the world of wild-caught Australian prawns. It's the opening day of the largest prawn fishery in Australia, the banana prawn season. The banana prawn is part of the northern prawn fishery, which is Australia's largest and most valuable prawn fishery, and is one of the most abundant, isolated and sustainable prawn fisheries in the world. The northern prawn fishery is often referred to as Australia's last wild frontier and is situated across Australia's top end. The fishery covers approximately 6,000 kilometres of coastline and a total of 880,000 square kilometres, with less than 12% of that area being fished. Austral Fisheries is Australia's largest fishing company with a range of diverse fishing interests from Antarctica to the Gulf of Carpentaria. They are regarded as one of the world's most progressive, vertically integrated fishing businesses, but more impressively are at the vanguard of next generation fishing, with sustainability a deep and real part of the business DNA. Dylan Skins reflects the optimism, enthusiasm and energy of Austral Fisheries. As a 20-year veteran of the business and the northern prawn fishery, he is both part of the vision and the delivery of this exciting prawn fishery. Hi, I'm Dylan Skins from Austral Fisheries. Um, I'm the, the general manager there looking after all the, the sales and marketing at Austral Fisheries. And right now I'm based in uh, Corumba, overseeing all the prawn unloads um, that are happening in, in Corumba. The fishery itself is called the Northern Prawn Fishery, managed by AFMA in Canberra, and currently it's uh, got 52 vessels. Austral Fisheries have 11 uh, of those vessels operating in the Gulf. The Northern Prawn Fisheries is Australia's largest prawn fishery, so it extends from Cape York all the way to the Cape London Dairy, which is the Western Australian border. So a massive expanse of water, but most of the banana prawn fishing happens in the Gulf of Carpentaria, particularly in the waters adjacent to Corumba in the southeast corner. The MPF was the first uh, tropical uh, prawn fishery in the world to gain MSC certification. Um, the fishery worked hard, very hard, to get that certification um, by implementing all those bycatch reduction devices and TEDs that we spoke about earlier. Um, only fishes for two months of the year. Um, we have very... Well, I think it was three or four years ago we had our biggest prawn catch ever. So, you know, it really goes to show that, you know, ever since we've been fishing it since the 70s, it's not fishing that's had an impact. It's it's all environmental. And the way that we manage this fishery and shut it down once the, the catches close off is a real, real testament to the product and fishery. Dylan Skins is a true prawn star. Turning from gamekeeper to hunter, Dylan joined Austral Fisheries and has become one of the world's leading authorities in both the prawns and the prawn fishery. I love fishing, like recreational fishing. I, if I could cast a rod somewhere, I'd, I'd be there. So I always had a love of fishing. And when I during school, I um, always thought I'd want to be a ranger or a fisheries officer or something like that. So I found a university in Tasmania called the, the Australian Maritime College. They were offering um, degrees in fisheries management and fisheries biology. 
So I successfully completed the fisheries management degree in, in Tassie. That was really good fun. Got exposed to some commercial fisheries down there. Um, so after successfully completing the degree at the college, um, I was uh, picked up by the Australian Fisheries Management Authority, AFMA, um, in Canberra. And my first placement there was in the, the Northern Prawn Fishery as a, as a fisheries management officer. So in one of my first... Uh, projects there was luckily enough I was invited up to the Gulf of Carpentaria in their observer program to oversee the implementation of TEDS for the first year so um, they are legislated and in the fishery now so it's really good to be a part of you know when they were first implemented into the fishery back in in 2001. Yeah so AFMA was for two years and during that process I actually worked in uh, the northern prawn fishery and sub-antarctic fisheries and during the, the meetings in those particular areas, I got to meet people like David Carter at Austral Fisheries and, and Martin Axel from Austral as well. Um, and they uh, offered me a position at, at Austral in, in 2002. And uh, I was quite happy where I was, though, but my boss at the time, Trish Stone, said, you know, you've got to go. Uh, we'd love to keep you, but uh, Austral's too big an opportunity to pass up. They're, they're Australia's largest fishing company, uh, sustainability front of mind, and you've, you've You've got to leave Canberra and travel to the west and uh, give it a go. And 20 years on, I um, haven't regretted it at all. The banana prawn inhabits tropical and subtropical coastal waters. They're found over muddy and sandy bottoms in coastal waters and estuaries. Juveniles inhabit small creeks and rivers in sheltered mangrove environments. They're one of the most prolific prawns to be found in coastal Australia, but are also the prawn which is most dependent on the impact of local, and seasonal weather patterns. We're probably one of the only industries in Australia that really benefits from floods and cyclones. So all the baby little banana prawns are up in the creeks and rivers and the only way for that stock to get out into the Gulf where we catch them is, is flooding, major flooding events. Um, so the banana prawn will start its journey typically as, a, as an egg or larvae out in the, in the Gulf. Um, the winds, typical winds from the northwest, usually blow that those eggs all the way back into the coast. Once those eggs reach the coast, then the tides take those eggs up into the rivers and creeks. They hatch and they begin their um, lives in those uh, mangrove sanctuaries in the rivers and creeks. And then the only way for that stock to be flushed back out is with uh, significant flooding or cyclones. If, if we get one of those, we get pretty excited. So this year, um, where we're based now, Kurumba, at the Norman River, uh, that unfortunately missed out on a, on a big flushing. That's one of the major rivers that um, supports this fishery and it missed out on the rain this year. Um, and people would think normally that we'd be having a massive year this year because of um, all the rain events on the um, in Queensland, but unfortunately that was all too far south. So all that rain fell um, southeast Queensland, northern New South Wales, <clears throat> and the Gulf of Carpentaria pretty much completely missed out. We've had some good rain halfway up the coast and around Weeper, and that's translated into our best catches this far. So there's a real strong relationship with um, rainfall and catches in, in the Gulf of Carpentaria. With only several months of catching, this limited season ensures both a natural level of sustainability but also demands that the fleet is as efficient as possible, using all means of modern technology to sustainably harvest the prawns. 
The shotgun start on the 1st of April is regarded worldwide as one of the great starts to a commercial fishing season. The season's only for two months. So we, we catch the bananas April and May. That's when they're highly concentrated in the Gulf. Um, but yeah, so we leave the banana prawns to do their spawning for, for the other 10 months of the year. So quite unique that we only catch the prawns for two months of the year. Uh, the first week is, is particularly important. That's when the, the major catches come out of the fishery. Um, so we'll have our vessels located in the areas where they think the best catches are going to be. And um, it's pretty frantic. We can have, um, the fishery can have up to seven planes up in the air and helicopters all looking around for what we call as a mud boil. That's where the banana prawns stir up the mud and it can be seen from the air. Um, once the planes see those mud boils, they'll uh, locate those, put them on the um, screen of the plotters on each vessel. And when the, the skippers wake up in the morning, they've got all these mud boil marks on their plotter and they can steam out and, and hit those marks. We do catch bananas at night but generally the, the biggest catches come during the day and that's because of that that added extra uh, spotting ability with the planes so the the planes will leave the Corumba airport at, at, uh, as soon as the sun comes up they'll get up into the air and they've just got such a wider um, search cap cap capability compared to uh, the boats just using their um, sounders so once the, the plane's up overhead starting to spot a few marks he'll be speaking to the skipper uh, the pilot will be speaking to the skipper over the, over the headset and just uh, informing him of um, the activity, what he's, the signs, what he's seeing. He might be seeing a couple of boils 50 miles up the coast. Um, once, he, once he's spotted that, uh, they've got the technology that they can pinpoint that down onto the plotter on the boat. So then the boat and the skipper's got, you know, a few, a few spots to go and check out during the day. Um, the crew would get up for a quick breakfast and coffee and then it's steaming straight to one of these um, mud boils that the plane spotted. And hopefully once they get to this mud boil, they, they do a quick check. Um, they'll, they'll run over it with the sounder and they can quickly check whether it's fish or prawns. Um, if, it, if it's prawns, they'll, they'll shoot away straight away. Um, they'll, they'll trawl that little patch for 10 to 15 minutes um, and then the nets will come on board and then um, it's, it's all hands on deck then. The crew are straight into uh, sorting, grading, packing, freezing. Um, some of those marks can take um, a couple of hours to clean up and then they get a break or it can be on all day if, if, if that patch of prawns is, is pretty big. With only several months of catching, the fleet fishing for banana prawns needs to be tuned to perfection to guarantee peak performance. The vessels are regarded as some of the most technologically advanced prawn fishing boats in the world. Designed for efficiency, sustainability and quality of catch, the Austral fleet in particular reflects the company's ethos of care, commitment and sustainability. The boats, we're based in Cairns, so typically our boats would leave Cairns four days before the start. And they'd do the long seam up around Cape York and into the Gulf um, and they would uh, position themselves in one of the holding positions before the start, which is the first, but season um, typically runs April, May, so that, those two months. But um, this year, uh, we're not experiencing very big catches and with the cost of fuel and just uh, operations in generally this year, we um, we might pull out a lot, a lot earlier. So as soon as that catch starts to taper off, we'll uh, leave the Gulf and, and head back to um, Cairns to save money this year. Yeah, typically they're... Uh, around 24 metres 
a stern trawler and most of the vessels up here tow quad gear so so four nets two nets either side um and on 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 the back deck once that those nets come on board we've got uh, what we call a hopper which is basically um a big tank with refrigerated water in it um and the catch gets spilled into that into that hopper all the prawns uh, sink to the bottom and then we've got a conveyor that lifts those prawns out of the conveyor and onto a sorting belt um, and all the bycatch floats to the top and swims out the side outside a chute and, and is returned to the water um, and actually prior to that stage in the, in the nets themselves we've got some um, really good tech there we've got a turtle excluder device halfway up the net which uh, excludes all the turtles from the net and, and large sharks and just forward of the cot end there, we've got a BRD, a bycatch reduction device, which is another little device which allows all the, the small fish um, to swim out through as well. So we really try and just take target the prawns themselves. We do get some bycatch, but we've got devices in there to help um, get rid of those out of the net before they hit the boat. Commercial fishing can be dangerous. It's hard work, long hours, and the office is one of the most remote locations on earth. Austral Fisheries has a history of fostering excellence and loyalty amongst its marine team, with many of the skippers clocking up dozens of years of service. We have um, obviously 11 skippers. We've actually got some of the, the youngest ones in the fishery at the moment because we've uh, re retired a couple of the old ones, but uh, some of them would still have been with Austral for well, 30, 30 years as a skipper or more. Um, and right now, probably one of our most famous skippers, Dwayne Klinkhammer, who we call, who we call uh, Colonel Clink. He's actually just taking some time out uh, this year and he's in Corumba and he's actually up in one of the spotter planes. So uh, 30 years experience up in the plane to help some of the young, younger guys out there has been really good. Um, and potentially uh, one of the boats is not doing that well. So we're, we're thinking about now sending Colonel Clink out on that boat to just oversee the young younger skipper and uh, give him a bit of confidence in um, how to steer the ship and catch a few more prawns. It's very, very hard this year, actually, to get to get crew and, and staff generally So um, and to get people to go to sea for two months. So it's not like any other uh, commercial fishing where you might be able to go out for a week and come back. This is a job where you, as soon as you leave, leave Cairns, you, you're on board for up to two months. So it takes a special person to go to sea. Uh, living in close quarters, we've got seven to eight people on each boat and they're all... Um, living together so you've got to have really good people skills to um, handle handle those conditions but um, before the start of the season we hold um, just a, a general two-day training course for all those crew and we, we run through our um, operations our, our safety a bit of the marketing and um, <clears throat> a few other things and then prior to that if some of these people that we've employed have never been to sea before they can do a elements of shipboard safety course so nobody goes to sea without no training. So everyone everyone has some idea of, of what to expect when they go out there. The quality of the banana prawn is determined not only in the catching and the initial grading and packing, but in the movement to market. With such a short season, the unloading and redeploying of a boat, getting them back to sea as quickly as possible is akin to a Formula One pit crew Similarly, breakdowns can be both tragic to the team and a huge hit to the commercial success of the season. I, I just had a phone call this morning. We've got one of our boats is is full. 
Um, it's going to be steaming into Corumba. We've, we've set up an unload time for three o'clock this afternoon, just to, due to the tides, so that the boat can get into the river and unload. That, that particular boat will uh, come alongside at three o'clock. Um, we'll have the conveyors set up down into the boat, tie the boat up, um, and then we convey that product out of the freezer hold. So there's, there's 20 tonne on board today to take off. Um, they'll be a mixture of bulk cartons and five kilo cartons, and they come out of the, out of the conveyor up into our uh, factory shed. Uh, we have a heap of pallets arranged up there of all the different grades, and we grade out uh, the A-grade product, the second-grade product, um, all the different sizes. We palletise all that, shrink wrap it, and uh, load it straight into a truck. And from here, those we usually load B-doubles or triple road trains, and those trucks will head all the way down to um, Townsville. Um, they split up, split up there, and then the single single trucks will go down to Brisbane where we where we store the product. And uh, in Brisbane, we either send the product there direct to the supermarkets, or we or we do further processing into uh, meat and cutlets. Yeah, we just got a phone call from the skipper this morning to say he's blown up the the gearbox and he's floating about twenty mile off the coast up up near Weeper and um, we need to arrange a tow for, for him. So we're thinking about, we've got another boat that's pretty much full of prawns and we're deciding whether that boat tows, tows him back to Corumba or we um, find another boat based in, here in uh, Corumba from another fishery that can go up and, and do the tow job for us. There'll be, there'll be cost involved, happy to pay for that, but that's, that's the current issue that the, the operations team are working through right now. It's pretty disappointing but uh, that, that is operating trawlers. Um, really, we need all our boats in tip-top shape for that first two weeks. The, the first two weeks of the season are very critical for getting the, the most catch out of that fishery. And uh, as soon as you drop one or two boats, it can really impact on your, your final numbers out of that fishery. The hardest thing with these, uh, these working vessels is they only work for six months of the year. We, we turn them on and turn them off a lot, and that, that doesn't... That's not the best thing to do for those types of vessels. So, uh, you know, if they've been laying around in cans on the wharf for four months, turned off, and then as soon as we go to turn them on, they, they might look okay, everything looks okay, you know, under not much load and stress, but as soon as the boats get all the way around to the gulf and shoot away and start to process and, and you know, wind up all that fridge plant, you know, things start to go wrong there. And because we operate in such a remote spot, it's... Um, really hard logistically to um, fix those boats and fly parts in or, or tow them back. So definitely you've really got to have all 11 boats firing on day one as best you can to, to maximise your catch. The banana prawn is one of the true champions of Australian seafood. Often overlooked by the more glamorous king or tiger prawn species, the banana prawn delivers both culinary versatility and great value. Its characteristic sweetness with bright light iodine notes and a crisp texture, it is suited to many cuisines and preparations. A lot of, a lot of different uh, cooking uh, capabilities with that product. Originally, when uh, it was first found in the 70s, uh, it was exported up to Japan and the Japanese took a liking to it for tempura. So it was one of their most famous tempura dishes. Um, but then the, uh, the farm prawn in... Uh, overseas took over and that, that flooded Japan and was just too too cheap and uh, so the, the Japanese um, went, went for that. So we turned to home and um, luckily we found some really good partnerships in, in Coles and Woolworths for that product now. So we've 
Um, if anyone wants a Corumba banana prawn, get down to the local Woolies or Coles for that product. But it does, you know, cook up very well in a, in a number of dishes. Yeah, I think it, the, the bet, one of the best characteristics about it, it's a wild-caught prawn and, and it's quite affordable. Um, so I, I nickname it the people's prawn. Um, you know, it's very, very good value and it's uh, in the stores every day of the year. Building a nostalgic relationship between the source of supply of a seafood and the dinner plate can be a challenge. However, more and more, the modern consumer is demanding to know the provenance and history of the food they eat. The future in seafood is all about transparency across the supply chain. Austral is one of the most advanced seafood marketing businesses in Australia, keen to tell their story of where, when and what they catch, seeking proudly to let consumers know exactly what they do and how they do it. I think um, just just more promotion. Uh, we've we've branded our product now, Corumba, Corumba banana prawns, and trying to get those brands into retail locations. So people that have done the the lap around Australia and travel through Corumba can connect with that brand. They say, "Oh, that's right, we're up at Corumba. We never got a feed of those prawns, but we'll we'll take this packet of prawns home tonight and give it a try because we visited visited that place." But I think wild caught seafood in general is, is going to be very um, highly sought after in the next five to ten years. COVID's taught us some things about that where um, people are really starting to uh, ask for local local and process locally as well. So I think um, as long as the catches keep up, we, we look after the fishery, turn it off when the product's not there, turn it on when it is. I, th I think we're uh, in really good stead. And we've got that MS, that third-party MSC certification logo as well to um, um, keep up the reputation of that product. Dylan Skins reflects the exciting next generation of seafood industry leaders in Australia. Enthusiastic, professional and committed to the team he works with, his approach to delivering the best quality seafood is a reflection of the Austral Fisheries ethos. I've been doing it 20 years now and no day's the same. So today we woke up thinking we've got a really nice day, we've got an unloaded three o'clock, let's get ready for that. And we hear the news of one of our boats broken down, floating out at sea. Um, no power, have to arrange a, um, a tow for that. Um, yeah, every day is different. You, you just can't plan for it. And I think that's the, that, well, that, that particular incident was disappointing. It's, it's pretty exciting that you, you just don't know what's coming next. And I think we were planning on a pretty big catch this year too. So we had ideas on where we were going to sell and market that product. Um, the rain didn't fall the way we wanted to and our catches have, have been pretty poor, one of the worst starts to, the, to a season that I've ever seen. So we have to rejig now, where do we sell and market that product? Do we, is it best to sell it whole? Do we send it to a processing factory and turn it into uh, high value meat cutlets? Um, you just, you're on your toes all the time. And then uh, secondary to that, we, we operate in some really nice spots. So after work, you can head down to the uh, Corumba Point Tavern and uh, have, a, have a nice cold drink and watch the sunset go down while you uh, try and think about what's going to happen the next day. The Corumba Banana Prawn is a reflection of the next generation of Australian fisheries, a sustainable, quality-driven production model which delivers a great everyman seafood that can be enjoyed and celebrated by all. This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. A Deep in the Weeds production, I'm John Sussman. 
Follow us on Instagram at Fishtails Seafood Podcast or email us at fishtailspodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app.